What do you say, everybody? You guys good? Everybody look at your neighbor and say hello. Sure is good to see you this morning. Uh, a couple quick announcements uh, before we get going. Um, so the month of January, uh, again, we're going to be having some, some prayer and fasting stuff. We're going to get into that uh, more in detail here in just a bit. But also in February, we're going to kick off um, a next session of Next Steps. Also in February, we're going to be kicking off small groups once again. So if you are new to those or want to find out more information, go to the website right now. The links are fresh and new. Go to the Connect tab. You can click on the Next Steps tab. You can click on the Small Groups tab, and you can sign up for those uh, there. So before we get into the message, I'd like to pray one more time. So uh, let's just pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I love you, and I thank you so much for your goodness, and I thank you for an opportunity to to speak for us to gather together as a family, to learn, to grow together. I pray that you would anoint your word. I pray that when it goes out, it would take root in people's hearts and change lives. And again, we give this service to you. It's all for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, two weeks in a row, some of you guys are like, is Clay here? Don't worry. Clay will be back next week, I promise. Uh, But I'm so thankful to to get to share with you guys once again. The title of my message today is called Repairer of the Breach, Living a Life of Prayer and Fasting. And so we're going to get into prayer and fasting. Every uh, year at the beginning of the year, we spend January in a time really of of consecration in prayer, in fasting. And so we're going to take some time to unpack some of that and talk about it and, and, and wrestle with it together. Amen. So first and foremost, when you talk about prayer and fasting, we're talking about spiritual disciplines and and one way I like to look at these they're they're tools in our tool belt you know if if I was putting floor down and I had some wood screws unless I had an impact drill or some type of drill or some type of tool it would be near impossible for me to get that wood screw into the wood same with a nail or whatever have you and a lot of times as Christians we sit back and we've been provided the tools spiritual disciplines God has given us these things and unfortunately a lot of times we don't use them the way that they ought to be used and God has given us these things to help us build a life and help us to lay foundations and to bring us into a closer relationship with him and so that's why they're so important now sometimes when we talk about prayer and fasting fasting is is not eating it's it's abstaining from food and so, at the mention of that, a lot of people are like, nah, I'm good. That's, that's for some people. That's for maybe uh, uh, preachers or leaders. Uh, but me, I'm just not, not going to do that. And quite frankly, if I can be real and I can be honest, it's hard. These things are hard and they're difficult. And we live in a generation of extremely soft people. A lot of us are just not willing to do hard things. We're not willing to put the work in because it's just difficult. We'd rather sit back and live a surface level life, come to church on Sunday, good enough, check the box, and never really dive into anything meaningful or or really pursue God to a deeper level. We'd rather leave the heavy lifting to other people. And I know that's a hard word, but it's something we need to hear. 
So my question for myself as I was preparing this is, is where's your grit? Where's your determination? Where's your, where's your work ethic? Where's your willpower? Where's your drive to, to seek me? This is what I felt the Lord saying. And so that's something that we all need to wrestle with. Prayer and fasting are foundational. And they have been in place for, for years and years and years. In fact, our entire history really is built upon things like prayer and fasting. The Old Testament, the New Testament, all throughout Scripture, you can do a quick Google search and find tons of examples uh, of, of people, God's people calling corporate prayer and fasting times and seasons to really seek after God. Even our country, our founding fathers, called times of prayer and fasting in this country. George Washington, John Adams, James Madison, Abraham Lincoln, former presidents called public times for our nation to pray and to fast. And a lot of times, as Christians, we think that when we accept Jesus... Well, first off, we realize that Jesus came, He died on the cross, He done what He done, He accomplished everything, so He's already done everything. All I have to do is pray the prayer and I'm good to go. I'm going to sit back and be on the sidelines, let time pass, when I die I get to go to heaven. That's kind of, whether we say that or not, that's kind of our mindset. And so we're spectators a lot of times. And I want to read this verse uh, in a book. I would encourage you to read the book. It's called Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting by Derek Prince. He says this, The prophecies and promises of God's Word are never an excuse to cease praying. On the contrary, they are intended to provoke us to pray with increased earnestness and understanding. God reveals to us the purposes that He is working out, not that we may be passive spectators on the sidelines of history, but that we may personally identify ourselves with His purposes and thus become actively involved in their fulfillment. Revelation demands involvement. Our Christian walk should not be passive. It should be active. God wants you to partner with Him to take on His identity for your life and to partner with Him. And I love these lines. To be actively involved in what God is doing on earth. Amen? It's a good word. Now, there are certain things uh, in terms of God's will, God's promises, God's plans. There's certain things that's going to happen regardless of what we do or what we don't do. They're just, it's just what God says and boom, it's going to happen. Now, there are other things that only will happen if we choose to do our part. If we choose to walk in obedience in areas of things like prayer and fasting, if we choose to do those things, it will open up a future for us that is not existent unless we do it. You hear me when I say that? I want to share a quick testimony, just, just really fast. But there was a season in my life, just after my son was born, and some of you guys have heard this before, but I started having these dreams and these dreams were, it was torment is what it was. They were demonic in nature, and, and if, you're, if you're new to Christianity or, or, or any of this stuff, it may sound odd to you, but it was, there were really dark dreams. My wife was cheating on me in these dreams. I would wake up and I couldn't separate reality. 
In other dreams, I would have my son. I remember in one of them in particular, I was in this small cabin. I had my son, and a demon came in, grabbed him out of my arms, and just took him out the window. And I was being tormented, and I didn't know why. And so I began to, to fast, and I began to pray. And what God showed me at the end of that, I had a dream, and in the dream, I had my son with me, and I knew the enemy was coming. I knew there was a figure that was coming, but I was ready for it. And in the dream, I had this big sword. It was awesome, just like the movies. <laughs> and so in the dream, the thing comes. I have Everett, and, and I, I mean, I cut this thing's head clean off in the dreams. In the dream. It was wild. And I woke up, and God began to reveal some things to me. There were things in my life, wounds, strongholds, even generational curses that, that not only I have dealt with, but people in my family on both sides for generations have dealt with. There were things that the enemy had root in in my life. And it was through prayer and fasting that I was able to experience victory in that. And I believe that with all of my heart, my kids and my grandkids and generations that follow will not experience the things that I and previous generations have experienced. Amen? And so that's just an example of what God can do. I really don't believe that that would have happened had it not been for prayer and fasting. So there's things that you, we must enter into if we want to go deeper and experience a, a real freedom in Christ in a lot of different areas of our life. So a lot of questions here. Um, and, and simply put, I know this is a vague question, but, but I, would, I just want to ask you, do, do you really believe this stuff? Do you believe that there is a God who is in charge of all things that he came to this earth and he lived and he died and he set us free and he provides salvation and he's working all these things and he has different measures of freedom for us. And do you believe that? And then also, when we talk about prayer and fasting, what we're talking about is do you believe that you have the potential to petition the God of the universe to work in your life, to work in our community, in our family, in our country, to literally change history? I believe that there's a future possible that's only possible if we partner with God, take Him serious, and enter into prayer and fasting. I really do believe that. I believe He's laid that blueprint out for us, and it's extremely clear. Now I want to share, i got a lot of scripture here. We're going to go uh, pretty quick. Uh, it's like a shotgun blast, a lot of pellets, a lot of different things. Some of it's going to be up here. If you want a list of all the scriptures, hit me up later. I can get them to you. But first and foremost, we're going to go to Matthew 17. If you have your Bibles with you or whatever, you can go there. Verses 14 through 21. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. 
And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, If you have a faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, the first time I heard this spoke was actually uh, through Clay. And I want to point out a few words, and they're, they're highlighted there. The first ones that were highlighted were faithless and perverse. And the next ones are prayer and fasting. And what we're talking about here is Jesus says we're faithless and perverse. What he's saying is we are not connected to God and we're too connected to the world. Not connected to God, faithless, perverse, we're too connected to the world. When you choose to fast and to pray, it flips that. It connects you through prayer to God. And literally, when you're not eating, the most basic of our human fleshly impulses, when you don't eat, you're disconnecting from the world. Does that make good sense to you? And so when I heard this for the first time, it clicked for me. Like, that's, that's, that's why we pray and that's why we fast. To disconnect from the world, to take a break from things, to set some things aside, and to go after God through prayer. It flips that. And so I think that's a beautiful story, a beautiful section of, of Scripture that can really point to one of the importance, uh, important things about prayer and fasting. Now, as a Christian... If you identify yourself as a Christian, if you're following in the way of Jesus, you have certain identities, whether you think it or not. D despite your personality or whatever have you, as Christians, we have certain characteristics and we have an identity about us that is from God. It's the things that God says we are this. And that's just part of our nature. And the first one I want to talk about is, is salt. We are salt. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Now, if you think about salt, salt has two primary responsibilities. Salt brings flavor to foods. It makes things acceptable. And then secondly, salt is involved in this kind of curing process, or really what it does, it slows down the process of really rotting and corruption. It slows down that process. And as Christians, we provide that here on earth. As Christians, just by our presence, we provide a flavor, if you will. We make the earth acceptable to the Lord. So number one, I have a, a slide up here for you. Just by our presence, we commend the earth to God's continuing grace and mercy. And then number two, as Christians... We hold in check, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the forces of evil. So just like salt slows down the rotting process of a food, as Christians here on earth, we are salt in the sense that we wage war against the forces of evil. And it's really an awesome, awesome image. Something else I want to I say about your identity and who you are as a Christian. You are priests and kings. Your priests and kings. Revelation 1, verses 5 and 6 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, 
and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want to read one more verse here. Psalms 110 verses 1 and 2 says this. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. So as priests and as kings, we have a couple of different responsibilities. We rule through the authority of Jesus Christ that he gives us here on earth. We rule alongside him, with him, because of what he accomplished. Again, this is not our own doing. It's not our, you know, it's I've done enough to get to this position. It's because of what he accomplished on the cross, and we take up on his identity. He gives us that authority. And then secondly, we exercise that rule through prayer. We exercise the authority that we've been given in Jesus through intercession, intercession in the name of Jesus. And so it's this really awesome image that in the, a world that is evil, in a world that's dark, Christians assemble together as God's people, as kings and priests, and out of that, the rod of Christ's authority, exercised in His name, is sent forth through our prayers. And when we do that, Christ in turn is exalted and His kingdom is advanced. So again, as a Christian, as a believer you have some immense responsibility and you have some immense characteristics that's given to you from Jesus. Again, you are salt. You are a priest. You are a king, queen. And so when we think about that, we must realize that what we're doing now is important. We must consider the responsibility that we have. And again, if I can go back just to what I first said in the beginning... God doesn't want us to be passive. He doesn't want us to be spectators. He wants us to partner with Him and exercise these things here on earth, in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, and in our lives. Amen? Amen. Okay, now we're gonna, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit, and I'm going to talk about prayer, and I'm going to talk, talk about fasting uh, in, in general and give some specifics. I'm going to try to give some, some practical things uh, for you guys as well. So first of all, when we talk about prayer, uh, a question that I have for you is, is, how do you view God? When you, when you do pray, what does what do, the, the image of God and kind of His position in your life, what does that look like? And for many people, it's different. Um, it's affected by a lot of different things. Sometimes we, we view God almost like a Santa Claus, right? It's like he's, we try to do just good enough to make it on the nice list to get to go to heaven. And then at a certain time of year when things are, you know, out of whack, we, here's our list of things we want, God. Uh, if you could, please deliver those to us. So we kind of have that view of God. Uh, some of us may feel like God is this, this ruler with the big beard and the cloak and kind of, you know, just up there, you know, passing judgment and being cruel. And we're just trying to, like, not get, you know, not get caught. 
And those views are important because it affects how we approach God. It affects our prayer life in general. And I think what can happen is when we have a false view of God, when we portray our brokenness and things we've been through or, or those, those broken images to the God, it forces us really to not pray. And if we do, it's kind of shallow and it's only at certain times. And so when we don't pray, we fall into a lot of different things. It's, it's, I think it's one of the reasons we walk in things like bitterness and brokenness and we complain and criticize everything. You know, I like what Donald said earlier, you know, if we would... Um, if we would turn off Fox News or whatever the station was and open our Bibles, we'd realize that we're winners. <laughs> I love that. It's so true. There's another quote by Derek Prince I want to read to you. And this, this hit me like a ton of bricks. It said, If Christians would seriously begin to intercede, they would soon find less to criticize. One, it changes, I think, the, the whole condition of your heart, your attitude, the way you view everything, like being in, in constant communion with the Lord, it just changes the way you are, changes the way you feel. But also, when you take things seriously and you pray, you, you literally change the way things are. If we want things to be different in our country, we got to go to God about it. we got to pray for it. And of course, we live in, in, in a broken world, and there's things that's always going to be br broken. But I really believe, y'all, that if we take this stuff seriously, we can change things God can change things. And I think that's important for us to realize. You know, there's some verses here that I think are extremely beautiful, and as I, I read them, they just really spoke to me. And, and, and one thing I want you to know is that God wants you to pray. I remember one time I was, I was deer hunting, and I was sitting in a ground blind, and I, I was reading a book, um, called the explicit gospel and it was just like in my spirit i felt for the very the very first time it, and, and i felt like god say this he said i love spending time with you and that was so simple but yet so profound in my life and i don't know if you realize that this morning but god loves spending time with you you're his delight let's read some verses proverbs 15 8 says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. You're his delight this morning. John 15, 7 says, if you abide, and that word abide, I really love that word because it, it, it's, it means that we continue without fading. It's, it's literally to live in or to dwell in. It's this continuous ongoing thing if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you matthew 7 7 and 8 says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened so again i just want you to know we talked about it this morning already, but I want you to know and I want you to realize that God loves you so much and He delights in you and He wants you to spend time with Him. And when we do spend time with Him, things change. He's able to work in our lives in a profound way. Now I want to bring up uh, eight different...
uh, principles here. It's just some, some practical things that you can think about. You can take a picture of this. You can go back and read these verses for yourself. I'm going to quickly skim through some of it. But there are some things that I believe that we need to think about when we talk about prayer and effective prayer because there's things that can hinder prayer for sure. Um, and how we approach God in prayer I think is important. Um, so let's talk about some of this. The first principle here is reverence. You know, it's hard for some people, but when we approach God, we need to take a place of humility. Sometimes I can, I can be in a rush and I can go to God and just start spitting out my laundry list of things that I want Him to do, and I don't really take time to honor Him or to, to glorify Him. You know, the Lord's Prayer is a perfect example of really a layout of our prayers. And Matt preached a message a while back. You can go back on the podcast and listen to it that he walks through some of that. But, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Take time to give God glory. Take time to, to really put yourself in a place of it's, it's a good fear, really. It's a fear of God. It's a healthy fear. It's a, a reverence fear. So take time to put yourself there and to really think about that. Hebrews 5, 6 and 7 says, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears, him who was able to save him from the death, and it says this, and was heard, he was heard because of his godly fear. So it's important that we have a godly fear when we approach God in reverence. Number two is the name of Jesus. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way in. He's the answer, and there's, there, there's nothing else. It's only through him that we're able to live the life that we live. We can come before God the way we can because of what He did on the cross for us. Number three is thanksgiving and praise. Psalms 104 says, Enter into His uh, gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. You know, a lot of times we get caught up in just wanting things and, and desiring things and our own needs and and all this going on, we don't even take time to really stop and be grateful and thankful. So I think it's important that when you do enter into prayer, save some space to really just think about your life and to give God thanks for everything that you have, everything that you've been through, where you are now. It's hard to appreciate the things that we do have if we're constantly caught up in everything that we don't have and everything that's wrong with the world, or our lives, or, or whatever have you. So take some time to be thankful, because we all have things that we can be grateful for. Amen? Next is you can come before the Lord boldly. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, a lot of times we carry with us as Christians a lot of brokenness, a lot of sin, a lot of things that we fail to do. Even like approaching the new year, it's like, man, I want to I live this life. I want to go after you, God, but I've just failed so much. I've done all these things that are wrong. And so we come before God with this, it's, it's just almost like a condemnation that's on us or a shame that's on us. And I want you to know that when, when, you, when you give those things to the Lord, He's forgiven you. And He's cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. And you can come before Him boldly 
and you can come before Him without condemnation. There's nothing, the veil's been tore through Jesus. You can come before Him. Next is right motives, and this is important because sometimes, you know, we enter into prayer with our agenda, right? It's like, okay, here's, here's what's happening in my life, God, and here's how I think you should handle it. Here's how I want you to handle it, so if you could, just, just do that. And when it doesn't pan out that way, we get frustrated, right? So uh, when you enter into prayer, and that's one thing I think I learned this year, is I would be in prayer sometimes, and, and you guys can, maybe you've experienced this as well. You've been in prayer before, and you had this agenda that you wanted to pray about, things that you were, were bothering you or whatever, and then all of a sudden, you know, something comes to your mind. Somebody comes to your mind, a situation comes to your mind, and it's almost like the Holy Spirit is guiding your prayers, and that's exactly what He's doing. And, and suddenly it becomes not only your heart and what's on your mind, but it's His heart and what He wants. And so He begins to move in, 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 those, in, your, in your prayers. John 14, 13 says, And whatever you ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So we must make sure that we have the right motives when we approach God, that it's for His glory and not just our own selfish agenda. And number six, right relationships. Matthew 6, 12 says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so I would ask you this morning, are there, is there unforgiveness in your life? Is there people that you may need to forgive? Or are there people that you need to seek forgiveness from? Maybe you've done something to them. And so because some of that, it can get in the way of our prayers and it can hinder our prayers we need to make sure if there's brokenness there there's unforgiveness there that we try to mend those relationships number seven we must depend on the holy spirit i love these verses in romans 8 26 27 i know it's not up there but you can listen to me likewise the spirit also helps in our weakness for we don't know we do not know what we should pray for as we ought is that anybody except me? Sometimes I don't even know what, how I should pray or what I should pray for. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Learn to depend on the Holy Spirit. Just come and be in His presence and He will guide you and He will direct you. And then lastly is submission. One of the most beautiful examples of this is found when Mary first finds out that she's pregnant with baby Jesus. And she says in Luke 1.38, she says this, and Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. A lot of times when we receive insight from the Lord and it's not what we want to hear, it can get us in this like weird place. And I love just how submissive she is in this story. And that's how we need to be in our lives. When we're seeking God for things and we get insight and we get direction or we get answers, we need to submit to the authority that God is giving. We need to submit to what He's showing us. And so maybe even that's a prayer for us this entire year is, is Lord, let it be to me, let it be to us according to Your Word. So learning to be submissive. You guys still with me this morning? You good? I know prayer and fasting and you're talking about it, it's, it's disciplines, it's hard things to do, it's not some big... Uh, it, it's quite simple, really. Don't eat and pray. Um, 
but when you, when you start diving into it, it's like, you know, um, there's, a, there's a lot in it. Let's talk about pre- uh, fasting real quick. Again, fasting disconnects us from the world, and it really, it just intensifies prayer. Um, and again, this is not just a suggestion. And that's what I want you to take away from this message this morning. If you call yourself a Christian, it is your duty to pray and fast. It's one of the things that we should be doing. Matthew 6 says, when you pray, when you fast. The language there is not if you do it or maybe you, you, it might be a good idea to do it, but when you do it, when you pray, when you fast. I want to give just real quick some practical guidelines to fasting. Some people, maybe you've never fasted in your life. Maybe you've, you've never done it. Some people may be more seasoned in it. So here's some things to think about. First and foremost, each person in here, you need to seek the Lord about what you should specifically do in terms of prayer, in terms of fasting. That's between you and the Lord. And the Lord, if you pray and ask, He will give you insight on some things that you can do. See a doctor, obviously, if you have uh, health problems or you take medications. I feel like this is one of those commercials. If you're pregnant or nursing. We have about 25 pregnant ladies in here right now, so if you're pregnant, probably not a good idea to fast, you know. So there's things you want to take into consideration. Obviously, if you've got medical things going on or medications that involve food, like, yeah, seek, seek medical advice and stuff like that. Um, also, I would encourage you to start small. If you've never fasted before, just set a small goal. Maybe it's one meal per day throughout the times that we call a fast for. Maybe it's just one meal. Now, let me say this too, because I, I know how my mind works. I don't normally eat breakfast, really. I just, I just don't. I don't know. It's kind of natural for me just to wait around to lunch. So I could very easily say, for 21 days, I'm fasting breakfast. <laughs> ain't much sacrifice in that, because most of the time I don't eat breakfast anyway. You know what I'm saying? So it should be, it should be hard. <laughs> It should be a sacrifice for you. So, so maybe it is one. Maybe it's it's supper uh, that you 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 sacrifice. You give up. Maybe it's maybe it's lunch. Again, that's between you and the Lord. But but start small, set some goals, and then work and build from there. Amen. Something else I want to say too is to I've really str- when it comes to prayer and fasting, this is probably the number one thing I've struggled with is guard against legalism. Sometimes what you can do is you can set this goal to fast so many days or for, for whatever amount of time, and then like day two comes in, and it's hard, and then you're like you're, you maybe eat a banana, and you're like, gosh, well, there goes that. It's all for nothing. <laughs> I failed, you know. It's, just, it's good to set goals, but also, th- again, these are tools for us. It's not like God is up there saying, okay, you set a goal, you don't meet it, I ain't answering nothing. You know, it's not that type of conditional, right? So, again, guard against legalism. Um, focus on the prayer of it, because sometimes in a fast what can happen is you just don't eat. It's like you're so focused about not eating that you don't pray. <laughs> so there, it's, there's two things there. You must not eat, but also use that time to really go after the Lord, really seek Him. And then number five, uh, establish some prayer points for your life. Think about your own personal life, your own walk 
with the Lord. Maybe it's your spiritual life. Maybe there's something very specific in your family that you want to pray into. Uh, maybe you need certain direction in your life. Maybe there's a big decision coming up. Um, certainly, I think we can all want, we can pray for each other as a church as we're going through this together. We can pray for our community. It's 2024. It's election year. We need to be seeking the Lord for our country and the direction it's headed. So there's, there's some things that maybe you can set up, uh, just write out a list maybe on, on these days or at these times. I'm going to pray specifically for these things. And I think as we go out throughout this month, we're going to send out some stuff that maybe will help you guys with some of that too as far as establishing some prayer points. Um, so yeah, there's some, some practical things for you. Again, the, the most important thing is just be in prayer yourself. Don't do what somebody else is doing just because they're doing it really you know, ask the Lord what you should do. Amen? Now, specifically, here at the church, what we're calling folks to, uh, I'm going to go over some of the details of that. First off, really the month of January, the beginning of the year, is a time of consecration. So I would encourage you to really take this time to set yourself apart and, so, and to really think about things that are in your life that you can maybe give up for a bit or maybe take a break on and really just take prayer seriously maybe it's obviously phone time or social media maybe it's tv maybe it's uh you know certain hobbies whatever have you we all have things in our life that really just occupy a lot of time that we could remove that a little bit and really just focus in on the lord so what are some things that you can really maybe just take a break from a little bit and really focus in on the lord and then also we're having three prayer nights in January on the 10th, the 17th, and the 24th. And what we're asking the church to do is to pray and fast on those days. There's, those are Wednesdays, and so we're asking you guys again to be in prayer with us and to fast during those days. Again, if you don't want to do the whole day, maybe you choose a meal and just carve out some time to seek the Lord. And then from January 15th through the 21st, we're going to carve out a section of time this month to have seven days of prayer and fasting. Now, to some of you, to, well, to all of us, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good chunk of time, right? So, again, be in prayer about it. Maybe you choose to do the full thing with, with liquids only or, or whatever have you. Um, maybe you choose to only, you know, cut out meals for that or, or um, supper time for that whole week. Again, be in prayer about what you should do, but we're going to really take some time those seven days and really focus in and get serious about it and go after the Lord. Amen? So as a church, those are the things that we're doing. I encourage you to be in prayer about it. The first one's coming up this Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have a prayer night here. And so join with us and let's, again, take it serious and come together as a church to seek God together. Now, as we, as we close, uh, I want to briefly go through just some things that, that fasting produces some benefits, if you will, of, of fasting. First and foremost, fasting produces power. I want you to listen to these verses right here. This comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and then later on in verses 13 through 15, or 13 and 14. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, Notice that language there, filled with the Holy Spirit. 
returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. I'd be hungry too. And then later on there in verse 13 it says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And from there he really really began his ministry. And I think that's, I mean, what an awesome image. When you, when you get saved, when you, take, when you make a decision for Jesus, you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? He's, he's in you. But there's a difference between being filled and then walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the bridge that connects those two things is prayer and fasting. And that's clearly what we see here. He, he went into the wilderness, prayer and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was filled with the Spirit, and He returned in the power of the Spirit. And I really believe that if you are going to walk this life out and live in a way in which you do the things God is calling you to specifically do, to lay the foundations that you need to, to lay, to walk in the freedom that He wants you to walk in, to be an example for your spouse, for your children, for future generations, in order for you to be really walking in your ministry and what God would have you to do, you have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And to do that, again, we get there through prayer and fasting. Number two, direction. I know in my own life, just about every step of the way, anytime there's been a big decision I'll try to go into some of this prayer and fasting, and it never fails that God always gives some type of direction personally for me in my life. Um, and He'll do the same for you. Acts 13, verses 1 through 3 says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, he laid hands on them. They sent them away. So through prayer and fasting, again, they received direction on what they should do and where they should go. And so if you're wrestling with that in your life, if you're making decisions and there's some big crossroads that you're going to have to make this year, prayer and fasting is a way in which you can receive some insight and get direction in those things. Next, victory and deliverance. Again, just like going back to my own personal testimony, the Lord was able to, to bring me through into a place of victory and deliverance in my own life because of prayer and fasting. Verse here, Ezra chapter 8, 21 through 23 says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God, to seek from Him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek Him. But His power... And his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayers. 
He brought them into a place of victory. And then I want to close with, I was telling Clay this morning, this might be my favorite passage of Scripture. It's so beautiful. And I just want to read it and let it do the the preaching for me. And I want you to really just soak this in. But restoration comes through fasting. Isaiah 58, it's a beautiful example of the type of fast that the Lord wants from us. And it says this. I want you to listen. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and He will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. And strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer of the streets to dwell in. What beautiful promises from God that we can receive, that we can walk in, if we choose to seek Him. And this is what a proper fast looks like. And so this message is a call to action. I'm pleading with you guys, and I hope through hearing some of these things, you've realized the importance of prayer and fasting, and you take this month serious as we we join together in these things. And I'm confident... And I really believe that if we choose in this moment, in 2024, if we choose to humble ourselves, we choose to do the hard things, we choose to be disciplined, we choose to come together as a body of people corporately, if we choose to seek the Lord with everything we have in prayer and fasting, I believe with everything in me that He is able to work and intervene and change our future in our personal lives, as well as the big picture in our country. And ultimately bringing together the fulfillment of one day, He's going to restore all things. Amen. If you guys would stand with me. Don't wait till later. I encourage you right now to take this moment. This this is not the end of of church, y'all. Not the end of the service. I want you to use this time, and I want you to really seek and pray about some of the things that we've been talking about. How is it that God would want you to move forward in response to this message?
And maybe you're here and, and you don't quite yet have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're new to all this. And maybe this is the moment where you feel like, hey, I need to, I need to really take things serious. I want to make a decision for Jesus. I want to begin following in the way of Jesus. I want to get saved. These altars are open and I want to encourage you to come up here when we begin to worship and praise here in just a few minutes. Come up here and talk with one of us and we'll help you and guide you through that. And for the rest of us who are already saved and already following in that, I encourage you to, to flood these altars, kneel at your seat, whatever you want to do, but seek the Lord this morning about moving forward in 2024. I want to pray over us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your goodness and for your mercy. And I'm so thankful for the tools that you've given us, the spiritual disciplines that you've given us in prayer and fasting as, as ways where we can get to know you more, God. We can, we've only begun to scratch the surface, and there's so much more that you have for us, for every single one of us, for every family that's represented here. God, you have so much more. And the reality is, is... Sometimes we can't experience that until we make a decision to go after you and to use the tools that you've given us, God. So I pray that you would give us determination. You would give us willpower. You'd give us grit. You'd give us a hunger to do the hard things, to seek after you in prayer and fasting. And God, I pray that in doing so that you would honor that, God, and you would speak and you would reveal. God, you would tear down strongholds, God. I rebuke the demonic and I rebuke the enemy and, and any lie that he may be telling anybody in the, here this morning. God, I pray that you would flood people's hearts with your love. God, in a way that they've never experienced before, like Donald was saying earlier, God, that we would experience the fullness of the love that you would have for us. And God, so Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would fall right now on each and every person. Lead them, guide them, direct them as we exit here today and move forward. God, I pray that you continue to shine a light on our path and show us the way in which we should go. God, we give this all to you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.